As they say, a new level, a new devil. I have a friend in recovery who says that in the beginning of the recovery, I got rid of the boulders, and then I got rid of the rocks, and then I got rid of the gravel, and now I need to get rid of the sand, which means I need a much more fine tool, like a pair of tweezers. So I'm working on the tweezers now, but the problem is I need other people to point out to me where the sand is because I can't see it myself, and I need you to give me a magnifying glass. So I am going to keep coming to meetings and hanging out with people in recovery because I need you. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 196, Denial 4.0. A few months ago, I recorded an episode called Denial 3.0. And I said, I have no doubt that in the years to come, I will be recording even more episodes about me coming out of denial. Who knew that it wouldn't be in the years to come, but in the months to come? Some things have happened in the last few weeks that have shown me there are still many more things that I have no idea that I'm doing or that I don't know how the things I do are affecting other people or there are still things coming to my consciousness. I'm going to recount some of those things here as a way to illustrate what this denial stuff looks like and also to help me come further out of denial by bringing this stuff out in the open. Before I go into the details, I want to say that the fellowship text of adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families says, denial is the glue that holds dysfunctional families together. And because family dysfunction is intergenerational, this makes sense. In other words, we have to be in denial in order to pass down the dysfunction because who the fuck would ever purposefully pass down dysfunction to their children? Nobody. In fact, most people say, I'm not going to be like my parents or I'm not going to do what my parents did. And then many of us turn into our parents. So this denial shit is so fucking important. A huge part of my recovery has been coming out of denial. And as you will see, it is still happening. And I also want to say that the most common way that we think of denial is when you say something just isn't true. And that's not what we're talking about here when we're talking about the denial of family dysfunction. It means that we don't realize that things are dysfunctional or maybe we don't realize that we've been traumatized or that certain things are not normal or we don't make connections between things that are connected. For example, 
Maybe we didn't realize that the behavior patterns in our adult lives are connected to the childhood patterns we developed as an adaptation to growing up in dysfunction and it's no longer useful or they're no longer useful in our adult lives. It can also mean we don't realize our part in things or that we have completely forgotten things. As I've said before, by far the most important paradigm shift for me from recovery has been coming out of victim mentality. I was in so much fucking denial about my own victim mentality, though I could spot people who had that mentality very easily because I was going to rescue those people. I don't know that I thought of them as, quote, victims. In fact, I'm pretty sure I didn't. And there was absolutely no way that I could see that about myself. And coming to see that, coming out of denial about that has been an enormous part of my recovery. I think coming out of denial has a lot to do with what the serenity prayer is talking about. We come out of denial about what we can and cannot control. And once we're out of denial about that, we can do something about it. We can get the courage to change the things we can. Okay, so here are the details. The first thing that occurred started in a recovery meeting on Zoom. The person chairing has been in recovery for years, but is fairly new to this fellowship. And in chairing the meeting, she read a statement at the beginning of the meeting about the coins we give out, including a 24-hour coin for someone just starting out or someone recommitting to the program. Later in the meeting, somebody identified as having just come back to the program and recommitting. And so the chair said, oh, do you want a 24-hour coin? And then she said, oh, wait a minute, do we even have 24-hour coins in this fellowship? And I said, you just read about it in the script. Later, she sent me a private chat and said, you don't need to correct me about the coins. And I was like, oh, shit. So I wrote back immediately and said, my apologies. As I thought about it after the meeting, I was like, oh, that was shitty of me. So after the meeting, I sent her a text message and I said, I want to thank you for bringing that to my attention. That was shitty of me, and I didn't even realize it until you said something, and I'm so sorry. Well, it turned out that having that experience with her sort of paved the way for me to have another such experience, though much larger, later in the week. The second experience is that I got into a text exchange with a friend that I've had for 20 years, and in that text, she said, you know, I'd really like to talk with you. So we got on a call and she started the call by saying that she wanted to consciously end our friendship. Now we decided not to do that and to be very purposeful about our friendship going forward. But the gist of what she said to me is that there were a whole bunch of things that I have done over the years that have either hurt or offended her. And she said that it was pretty clear to her that I was doing these things because I was coming from some kind of place of pain. And I really didn't know what she was talking about. And I want to put a pin in that notion of me coming from a place of pain. So one of the things that she mentioned in our conversation was how I say in my podcast that I don't really have any friends from before recovery because When I got into recovery and healed from my codependent ways, I stopped chasing after friends to spend time with me. And when I stopped doing all the work, most of those friends or all of those friends really kind of faded away. 
And when she was talking to me about this, she realized like in mid-sentence, wait a minute, I was one of those people who didn't stay connected to you, Barb. When you stopped reaching out all the time, I basically kind of let it go. Now, she's still been in my life to a certain degree since I got in recovery, but not like she was before. And as she realized that she too had been one of the people who disconnected from me when I stopped doing all the work in the relationship, I realized that there was probably some truth to the pain that she was talking about. Now, I do recall having a conversation with her several months ago, maybe even a year, where we talked about how our relationship had changed. Now, she and I and another friend used to get together as a threesome all the time, though we sometimes did things separately. It was mostly the three of us. And during that conversation a few months ago, I said to her, well, perhaps I unfairly lumped you in with the other friend in thinking about how we became disconnected because that friend almost entirely disconnected from me when I stopped reaching out all the time. And even before that happened, That other friend very regularly blew me off or changed plans at the last minute, et cetera. So I had kind of different feelings about that friend than about this one. So back to the part where my friend said that me hurting or offending her must have come from a place of pain on my part. As we were having this conversation, I realized that it actually was painful that she had disconnected from me. And I had not unfairly lumped her in with the other friend and being upset that they disconnected from me when I stopped pursuing them. So this shows me some more denial on my part. Not only did I not realize how my behavior was affecting her, I didn't even allow myself to realize that it was painful that she disconnected from me. She then told me about another incident where I responded to something she said. I apparently had a really nasty look on my face, and I did this in front of other people. Now, I did remember the exchange and my overall feelings about it, but I didn't remember being nasty about it, and I apologized. Anyway, the whole time I was having this conversation with my friend, it was not at all painful. I heard it. I knew that all the things she was saying were true, and I just accepted it. There is still more to be revealed to me. There's still more I don't see about myself and my behavior and how it impacts other people. And believe me, there was more that she shared with me than what I'm sharing with you. I don't want to get too much into the details, but I wanted to get you some of the point across. I think that's enough, though, to get my point across. So, After that conversation, I decided to go back to the person who chaired that meeting the previous week and private messaged me. And I sent her an email that said, I want to thank you again for bringing that to my attention because it really sort of paved the way for me to be able to really hear from an old friend a bunch of ways in which I've hurt or offended her. And I was really able to hear it and accept it and not feel pain. So it was like your message was a premonition of what was to come. So I thank you. Well, she wrote me back and proceeded to list a whole slew of ways that I have been controlling or done things that have been off-putting to her in our meeting over the last year or so. 
As I read her email, I definitely had some activation in my system, actually even more than I had with the friend. Well, I didn't have any with the friend. It wasn't like an emergency inside my body, but there was definitely more activation than normal. It didn't last for long. But I also recognized everything she said as truth. And it reminded me of one of the items that used to be in my nightly inventory that I took off and have now put back on. And that question is, have I been helpful to be controlling? That's essentially what she pointed out to me, that I was, quote, helpful to be controlling. Now, the idea that I am helpful to be controlling is something that is so difficult for me to see, at least for me, because it's such a deeply ingrained pattern of mine. One of the first times that I could actually see that as something that I did was when a fellow in recovery said to me, you know, I didn't actually ask for your help in this situation. This is you being helpful to be controlling. And I was like, oh my God, you're right, I am. When I looked at the situation, I could see that my thinking with this chairperson on the Zoom meeting was, I'm helping them so they'll do things, quote, the right way. That is my way. And as I thought about the person and how she shared about my behavior, I realized this is old, shitty behavior of mine. This is me thinking, I know what's right and you should do things my way. So this, all of this has been a massive lesson on coming out of denial. It's not just a lesson on coming out of denial, it's actually coming out of denial. Now, just to close the loop with this fellow from recovery, I did reply to her email message and I said, it's clear that there's a lot about my behavior that I still need to come to see. Thank you again for pointing it out to me. I need you and other people in recovery to show me to myself because I'm too close. I can't see myself. These people are helping me to come even more out of denial about my own behavior and about my defects of character and about how my behavior affects other people. As they say, a new level, a new devil. I have a friend in recovery who says that in the beginning of the recovery, I got rid of the boulders and then I got rid of the rocks and then I got rid of the gravel and now I need to get rid of the sand, which means I need a much more fine tool, like a pair of tweezers. So I'm working on the tweezers now, but the problem is I need other people to point out to me where the sand is because I can't see it myself, and I need you to give me a magnifying glass. So I am going to keep coming to meetings and hanging out with people in recovery because I need you. Before I go, there have been two other things that have come up in the last week or so since I had these conversations and there are additional ways I've come out of denial. One is that I realized that a conflict I had with a fellow in recovery over five years ago is something for which I owe her an amends. Now, every time I've thought about this situation over the years, I've thought, it's on her, not on me. But as I was driving in the car the other day, I thought, holy shit, it just bubbled up in my consciousness that I was focused on my intention in that situation and not on the impact of my behavior on her. Now, the reason I was able to discern the difference between intent and impact right now is because of the anti-racism work that I'm currently doing. 
In anti-racism work, as with any social justice work, the idea is that if someone does something or says something to a marginalized person, the socially just response is to focus on the impact of that interaction first. That is, you place more importance on the impact on the marginalized person then you apologize or mend the situation first. In other words, you center that person. When you focus only on the intention of the person who did the negative thing, you're centering that person instead of the person who's been wounded. Now, speaking of wounds, that's a good way to think of this. If two people are sparring and one of them accidentally breaks the other's bones and says, oops, I didn't mean it, It doesn't matter whether they meant it or not. You're going to focus on the person whose bone is broken. You center them. You don't start talking about how the bone breaker didn't mean it and all the reasons why their feelings are more important. You deal with the broken bone. When the injured person is mended, only then might you start talking about intention. So the same was true In the case of the situation with this fellow from recovery five years ago, I just couldn't see it until now. She was wounded and didn't give a fuck about my intentions. So I am going to be making amends to this person. In other words, I was in denial all of these years about my part in the situation. Now, I do have an episode that I did about the difference between impact and intent. And in case that is still murky for you, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And then there was one other thing that came up. And the incident that came up was something that occurred almost eight years ago when I was hitting codependent bottom because of my homeless friend, Dan. If you don't know that story, listen to episode one, my story in brief. I will also put that in the show notes. What happened was that I blew off a friend who came to help me unpack after moving so that I could go pick up Dan at a time we had prearranged. And my friend was like, wait a minute, I came all the way down here to help you unpack and you're going to leave me for some fucking homeless dude who's not helping you move? And I remember at the time blaming her because she had arrived later than I expected And I had assumed that she would already be gone by the time I had arranged to pick him up. I just recently realized in the last week that I never apologized to her for that. And I don't think she understands how serious this illness of codependence is. And maybe or maybe not, I will explain that to her. I don't really know. I don't know if it's relevant. I felt extreme anxiety at the idea of leaving my homeless friend Dan stranded when I had told him I would pick him up at a certain time. But I had no qualms at all about leaving my friend in the middle of helping me unpack when she had driven almost an hour to come and help me. Now, that just bubbled up into my consciousness. So it's yet another example of the denial lifting. Remember the metaphor at the beginning, denial is like the glue that holds family dysfunction together? Well, if you carry the metaphor further, it's like the glue gets looser and looser and looser. So things are able to come to our consciousness or we're able to realize things. And it never occurred to me until now that that episode was something for which I need to apologize. So I'm going to do that. 
And I want to thank all of you people out there who are helping me to come out of denial and who will help me in the future to come out of denial. I hope that hearing all of these ways in which I've come out of denial help you come out of your own denial as well. And if it has, and you're willing to share, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me, barb at higherpowercc.com. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.